3: And this is like the one thing that I hate hearing from a director when you're you're like, oh gosh, no, is when you're doing the scene that you auditioned with and they hired you for and they're like, do it more like your audition, you know,
4: (laughs) do it more like the
3: original. (laughs) Hi, I'm Annie Winters and I am playing Charlie Burke, the badass navigator on the Orville.
4: Hello, dear listeners, and welcome to yet another episode of Off the Beat. I am your host, Brian Baumgartner. Now you know that I had my friend Jessica Zor on the podcast a couple of months back, and one of the things we talked about was Seth MacFarlane's amazing sci-fi series, The Orville. It's a great show with some really interesting stories and characters, which is why. I am so excited to have another Orvilian. I don't know if that's a word, but on the podcast this week is Annie Winters. Today, we're going to get into her Texas roots and why she considers herself more of an L.A. than a Texan. Her words, not mine. Annie also has some great insights about how the Orville balances comedy and drama and how she became charlie burke everyone's favorite navigator who also happens to have some pretty special skills you'll see what i mean here she is annie winters everyone
1: bubble and squeak i love it bubble and squeak i know bubble and squeak i cook it
0: every moment left over from the night before
4: What's happening?:
3: Hi, how are you? This is my first interview over Zoom like this. This is cool.
4: Let me just say this. So far it's going great. OK?:
3: <laughs> Nice. So, yeah. So far, so far it's going really well.
4: So far, it's amazing. How are you?
3: I'm good. I'm good. I'm about to go to New York uh, for the upfronts tomorrow to, you know, talk more about this show that's coming out soon, so I'm excited.
4: Congratulations. I remember my many years at the upfronts, Uh, stay hydrated. Okay. With water. That's my one piece of advice is stay hydrated with water.
3: Yeah. That's a daily goal that I try to try to uphold.
4: So we're going to talk about the Orville launching like now shortly. I wanted to go back with you though. I understand you're from the great state of Texas, Dallas, Texas. Is that right?
3: Yes, I am from Texas, but I've I've been out here for about eleven years now. So I don't, I consider myself more an LA in
4: an LA in.
3: (laughs) Yeah, like an alien.
4: I like it. I like that. (laughs) I I don't. I've not heard that before. I actually
3: just came up with that because of the show, and also an LA in sounds cool.
4: No, it sounds really cool. Well, I don't know if you know this. I spent some time in the great state of Texas in the city of Dallas. I went to SMU and <gasps> I am told that you almost went to SMU as well.
3: Yes. Hence the reaction. Yeah. I, yes, I almost went to SMU. Um, I had like the bumper sticker and everything. And what's funny is I went to audition for their acting program. Cause I was like, yes. I just really want a scholarship, you know, cause SMU is like really, it's a big school, uh, money wise. So I went there, and I had already been working a little bit, too, in L.A. Like, I'd done a couple shows as a kid, and I had a resume, you know, all that stuff. So I went there, auditioned, and they kind of looked at me like, why are you wanting to come to our acting school if you already have an agent manager and you've worked in L.A.? And I was like, I don't know. That's just, isn't that what we're doing now? It's like college. Right. And they were like, this is kind of where we want our students to get to So if I were you, and they were just really honest with me, they told me that I should defer for a year, see how it goes in LA. And if I ever wanted to come back, I could, you know, come back. So I, I did that. And then I never, I never went back.
4: You never, you never went back. So you started, as you just mentioned, you started acting early. So you were a child actor. Was that an accurate statement?
3: No, not really. Although my dream was to be on Disney and be a child actor, that never really happened. And I'm, I'm kind of glad that it, that my career turned out the way it did. No, I mean, I still I still went to school. I would just take off a couple months here and there for pilot season and come out to LA. And I did a lot of local things in Dallas too, like commercials was a big thing. So i kind of thrived on commercials. And then I did one Nickelodeon pilot, but it didn't really take me out of school for that long. And it didn't get picked up. It was with Haley Steinfeld, actually. Really? Yeah. Like a long time ago, Nickelodeon pilot didn't get picked up. Yeah, but I mean when I think of a child actor, I think of really young. I guess I really started taking it seriously when I moved out here. I mean, I had done a couple other things in between, but school was kind of my main priority because I didn't know what I wanted to do.
4: Well, I mean, it sounds like you had you had accomplished enough that the good folks at my alma mater SMU thought that, you know, you should give it you should give it a go. So you were you were going back and forth from LA and Dallas. And I know Dallas had started to establish quite a good Film and, and television, a lot of stuff started getting filmed there. I had a lot of friends who went back there.
3: Actually, one of our good family friends that we would stay with in Valencia, they all were in Dallas for prison break. I think that I think that, that was the show, right? Every, there was like a whole crew of people from prison break that moved to Dallas and were living there for a couple years. And their kids went to my school and we were all friends. And yeah, a lot of things happening in Dallas.
4: I do want to ask you about that when you were 10, you sang a solo at the American Airlines Center.
3: That is correct.
4: Was this the national anthem before a game or was this, a, what did you sing?
3: I never sang the national anthem. I got asked a couple of times and I was so nervous because I was like, if I screw these lyrics up, I will forever be known as like forgetting the national anthem in front of everybody. Right. Just, I sang a solo for our church on Easter and they had like all the different churches, which in Dallas are massive yes. things and it could fill the American Airlines <sighs> center. So okay. I sang a solo with the veggie tales. As uh, a 10 year old, it was really, it was quite fun.
4: The vegetables were there.
3: They were there in real life, yeah. The little tomato and Larry.
4: <laughs> Larry, the tomato.
3: No, Larry, no, Larry is the cucumber. Oh, okay. I don't remember the tomatoes. I name. don't,
4: I don't remember what they, I, but I know what you're talking about. The cucumber and the tomato, and I don't know, I think some broccoli was there too. Yeah. Yeah. You decide not to go to SMU. What was it about acting? Or the work in film and television, like what what was it that made you move to Los Angeles at that time?
3: I don't know. I mean, I've just always liked performing. I was a competitive cheerleader. I liked being on stage. I don't know. I just always liked to challenge myself. And there was something about acting that each and every opportunity was different. And it was the kind of unknowing of when my next job is going to be, and knowing that I don't have to necessarily have a, a specific maybe character or thing for the rest of my life, like a normal kind of job, just really was exciting to me, like the unknowing of it all. And also just, you know, when I do a scene and I feel like I can play a different character and dive into something and I feel good about it and it's completely different than something else I've done, it's just really fulfilling to me.
4: Yeah. I noticed early on, you got quite a bit of work on a variety of television shows, guest star stuff. I find, as an actor, nothing more difficult than being a guest star. Because The Fosters was your first, like, recurring. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm talking about before The Fosters.
3: Gosh, I don't even, I can't even recall. You can't
4: even remember. But The Fosters is the first time, this is a big show, was on five years it was the first time that you showed up, you got to recur and come back. So that's what I was asking, like the difference between that sort of coming in and just doing one job and, and leaving that experience of, of, for the first time being on a show an established show that ran five years and getting to come back. What was that like?
3: I mean, that was really fun. That was, that show was one of my favorite shows to film. Cause it was just a bunch of kids. It was my first time being in LA and like, being surrounded by people kind of my age, making friends and getting to work with your friends and playing a really fun character. They actually wanted me to come back for another season, but that was at the same time that I had booked Tyrant, and I was a serious regular on that, so I decided to do that instead. Um, I had no idea that 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 show would have (laughs) such a longevity, and now they have like different spinoffs and everything.
4: Yeah. Did you know when you were cast on that, right? So you're coming off doing you know, little things, and you get the fosters, did you know right away that it would be recurring, or did that just begin to evolve and you started doing more episodes over time? Do you remember?
3: Yeah, I I remember it being like maybe two episodes, and then they kind of just would always say, hey, we want her back for another one, or we want her back for another one. Actually, my first day on set of that, I'll never forget the director who hired me. It was the scene that I had auditioned with, and this is like the one thing that I hate hearing from a director and you're, you're like oh gosh no is when you're doing the scene that you audition with and they hired you for and they're like do it more like your audition you know
2: do it more like the
3: original and I'm like oh no I suck I didn't I, I'm, I'm not doing it right I'm not doing it right and I was like freaking out like what did I do in the audition I don't know I thought I was going to get fired, actually. That was my first instinct. I was like, the director said I didn't do it right. I'm going to get fired on my first job. This is so embarrassing. And then I ended up coming back a lot. So it was fine.
4: (laughs) No, that's awesome. But that's sort of what I was talking about before, that experience. Like, everybody knows each other. Now, it sounds like eventually you know, it became an incredible experience for you, and you made friends. But... You're there, you've auditioned, you don't really know what the show is and he, you try to do it. And they, yeah, th- they say something like that, which is like, do it like your audition, which of course is the worst. You want to be in the moment and you want to be alive and, and interacting with your scene partner. And it's like, no, 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 go back and, and do it like you did when you were alone on your sofa or whatever. I find that so, <laughs> I find that so difficult.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Or like just do less, you know, just do less. Don't be as prepared. That was another note too. I will never forget getting on set. I'm like, just do less. Okay. Right. With energy. Okay. Great. Those two I can totally bind together and try to do a good job. <laughs> yeah.
4: When they tell me to do less, I just do more. So just don't <laughs> worry. Just don't just ignore. Just ignore that. They just want something different. Eventually you get cast as Lauren in Sandcastles. Do you remember the moment you found out about that?
3: Yes. That was my first indie movie and first booking um, after moving out here for real. And actually, I was doing community college, taking a couple classes because I kind of wanted to stay up on my school just in case. And um, I booked that within like a week. And I asked the school if they would work with me on you know going out to Indiana because that's where it filmed. Right. And they were like, no, we don't work with actors. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, then I quit school. <laughs> so then I left, but no, it was um, I found that was actually kind of more of a it wasn't I guess as exciting as like maybe the Fosters and stuff. I knew a lot of the people that were doing it, and my acting coach still at this time, Saxon trainer, who I love, was gonna be playing my mom. okay, and so I got basically like a month of acting schooling, working with her every single day with her being kind of there on set and being my mom. But that was just. Like that, going to Indiana, having my first film and, and working with all those people really, I, I think, was a cool experience for my first thing to do out here.
4: You're still working with her, that acting teacher?
3: Yes. She is the only acting coach I've ever been, even when I came out here for months at a time.
4: Do you bring the work from the class into the roles that you're doing, or do you try to let that be on the side, use
3: that as exercise? You know what? Good question. I mean. To be honest, I, once I started kind of working and having so many auditions, I didn't really go to her classes. I just have private sessions with her on each character. So I kind of go in there and talk about each character, like a therapy session and kind of get to the bottom of it, make it a little bit different. And we'll kind of like assess a background story for the size if we don't have a script and that kind of thing. So it's kind of, we work together character by character. So I don't, I don't have like certain techniques that she would have taught, you know what I mean? Like outside of an audition.
4: Huh, that's interesting that you use another person as you're creating, you know, the specific character for specific roles. Do you ever think about your characters physically, like how they move or behave physically?
3: Yes, 100%. I mean, that's just kind of, I would like to say, happens a little bit naturally. Like, I mean, Charlie on the Orville is going to be more structured and like head held high especially in our costumes than right. maybe you know the daughter on tyrant where i'm like chilling by the pool i mean it's just you have a little bit of a different mannerisms but i think it comes just based off what you're thinking about as the character naturally if that makes sense yeah like i don't think too hard about the motions but i think it kind of comes through if you're in tune with the character in general
4: yeah Worked on a bunch of films. Pass the Light, The Bride He Bought Online, A Mom and Dad. So every audition you would get, you would work with your acting teacher. Yeah. Yeah.
3: And every time I would book something, we would schedule like different sessions and go through the entire script to kind of map out the different things. Cause you know, you don't film things in order. So I always wanted to maintain that arc that you may not remember on that day of set that you've already been through or is gonna happen so that it all maps out like
4: Well, people don't realize that you don't film things in order. My favorite story, my weirdest story. I don't even know if it's favorite. I did an episode of criminal minds, which is very bizarre show anyway, because the guest star that comes in is like a serial killer or whatever. That person becomes the lead of the episode. Like it's about that person and all of the series regulars are kind of supporting that person I show up and it's like the docks of Long Beach day one, the docks of Long Beach, like a 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. shoot. And we film the scene where I eventually get caught or whatever. And I deliver what is like a three page monologue about why I'm this person that I am. And this is the first thing that we shoot, and I I struggled so much with that because I was like, we, I don't even know who this guy is. We haven't talked. I and now we're starting at the end. In a way, have to work reverse. We have to now put together all of the pieces that add up to what that last scene did. It's very interesting and very smart, I think, to to have that arc in place before you start filming, especially for yeah. I, film. I
3: always have like. Each scene, I have all my notes next to it, so it has the different things that I've been in or whatever. So I'm prepared for each anything that they throw at me for that day. Yeah. Unless it was like supposed to be a month later or something, and then they're like, "Oh, you're doing your monologue today." I'm like, "Nope, not ready for that." I thought that that was next month. But other than that, yeah, usually the day is pretty pretty solid. <laughs> yeah.
4: That's always. Oh, hey, you know we have some extra time today. Can we shoot scene forty three? And now then you're like, and you're what? like, oh my gosh. that's my
3: biggest scene
0: but unless you're playing
3: like like even on the fosters like that's like a show that you may not need to do that as much because they kind of start setting up different storylines and then you kind of fall into that storyline where I feel like you can be natural with your best friend or the boyfriend like you already have that backstory because it's been going on for a while so it's just kind of playing a little bit more yeah with movies for sure mom and dad was really fun Nicolas Cage. I'm so excited to see his new movie. Nicolas Cage and Selma Blair were my parents, and they were trying to kill me the whole time. Oh, and that God. was, like, just the greatest.
4: So that movie and The Bride, he bought online, they were both thrillers. Is that, is that fun to do?
3: Yeah, it's thrilling.
4: <laughs> Thanks, Anne. Yeah, Thank
3: no, you. I, I, <laughs> I actually really do. Like, thrillers are fun because I, I like being at high stakes as an actor because it just makes for a fun day for me. Right. Yeah. And also like the action, like the running and the falling down and like the screaming and the, you know, getting your hands dirty. Like, I don't know, just, it's just a little bit more kind of a free for all that feels fun to me, but I really love, I mean, drama, like, you know, I wouldn't want to just be running around and screaming all day. So I like intensity, I guess.
4: Speaking of drama, I want to talk a little bit about your time on Zach and Mia. Talk about your time on that, the the process of of getting that role.
3: I kind of forget how that came about. I didn't audition like normally. That was something that they were doing with awesomeness TV at the time. And they had asked me if I was interested in reading the book to see if I was interested in the character. And I did, and I was I was like, wow, this is great. I would love to do this. I really loved just the the storyline. It was the best thing that I've ever filmed because it was two characters. And our director was so incredible, um, like as an acting director. Mm-hmm. And I felt like we just got all the time and we really got to put in our best work for every single scene. And there was not like one scene where I didn't walk away thinking like, oh, we you know, didn't have time to get the best thing. It just felt like I exceeded my own expectations for myself on that whole show that I was really like proud of and the other um, actor, Kian Lolly, he's a YouTuber and this was kind of his first acting thing. And I was, you know, not going to lie, I didn't know how, how YouTubers were going to be on set and he was incredible and our chemistry was great. It was just, it was a really, really fun and beautiful, pretty show.
4: That's awesome. There's nothing better than that, right? Working with an actor's director, having the time to really explore and talk and kind of get to the root of it. Uh, I assume you mean, you know, you weren't spending a ton of time on lighting setups and, you know, makeup or getting your, like you said before, <laughs> your hands dirty. And it's just about, <laughs> it's just about the work and those characters. That is yeah. certainly for me, the mo- the most fun as well. Yeah. Yeah. You and I have, uh, have another thing in common for Zach and Mia. You were nominated and eventually won a daytime Emmy award. I am the recipient of a daytime Emmy award as well. <laughs>
3: Yay! It's a it's a
4: fun thing. Uh, you were there at the ceremony. How was that experience for you?
3: I mean, that still goes down in the books as probably greatest moment of my life, you know. That's <laughs> to even be working a working actress in LA is I'm so grateful. And to be nominated, have your work even noticed by other people as really great is like another thing. And to win was just like, oh my gosh, I I freaking did it. You know, like I am on the right track of knowing that this is like where I'm supposed to be in life. And I did a really good job and people noticed. And that was like, that's the part that I love. You know, when your work gets admired by other people.
4: That's awesome. It's one of my favorite nights as well. I think for me, it was a it was a little bit different, but it was uh, an opportunity, Angela Kenzie and Oscar Nunez and I.
3: Wait, I didn't know that The Office would be a daytime.
4: Uh, we won for The Accountants, which was the first web series, so it was uh, it was streaming. Oh, yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun. I see, I see. Uh, you talked a, a little bit about Tyrant, also Wicked City. I, I mean, such a variety of work that you've done already. Talk to me a little bit about those shows and their similarities or their differences.
3: Tyrant is, was maybe not the most challenging or goes down in the books as my favorite character to play, but it definitely goes down in the books of completely changed my life. I mean, I lived in Israel filming that show for six months and lived alone for the first time in my life at 18. And I was playing the daughter, didn't realize that that meant only filming like once every 12 days. So I had to really just make a life in Israel. And it was, Very challenging, but it definitely, like, you know, grew me up real fast. But that character was really fun. I loved how it ended. I mean, the last season was my favorite. I'm not going to tell you. I don't know if that's like, I mean, it's not really a spoiler, but.
4: Now with streaming, everything's a spoiler, I guess, because if, oh, I'm going to (laughs) watch that one next week or whatever. I guess that's
3: true. I guess, (laughs) I guess you're right. I guess you're right. Okay, so I won't say, but that was fun. Wicked City was completely different. That was really fun. And who, John Cassar, who did, um, Orville was the director on that as well, so we had already previously worked together. Um, and Ed Westwick at the time, I was obsessed with Gossip Girl, so I got to work with him and was fangirling at every table read. <laughs> I mean, those two were both daughters, but you know, in in my mind, I just tried to make them very like different. And like you said, I have a variety of different characters, and that's kind of what I thrive on—is like. Like, I don't want to have little jobs, but I do like the sense of kind of moving on to something and like playing something completely different than I have. And I'm always looking for something that I haven't done before. Right. Like, I would love to be a killer instead of getting killed. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We'll see if we can
4: make that happen.
3: Or like some like crazy person, like, I don't know, intense Intensity in a different way than anything I've done before. I don't know. A killer just like got brought to my mind.
4: Dark? Something dark. Yeah. Something dark. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you don't shy away from drama for sure. I want to talk a little bit about 13 reasons why. I am told you auditioned for season one of the show. I did too. Really? I did too.
3: Yes. what, What character?
4: I think... Stephen Weber's part I think it was the principal
3: okay yeah I think the
4: office was still going it was right around that time but yeah so you auditioned for season one you didn't get it spoiler alert I'm sorry to be the one to tell you yeah. that again all these years later
3: <laughs> yes but I did I did go to New York and meet Brian Yorkey which you know in actor world it's always like you know the people that get to meet the um creators and stuff or get far enough on a project. They kind of remember you a little bit for future roles that they're going to do.
4: Is that what happened?
3: I'm guessing so. Okay. I don't know.
4: Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, we had a lot of people on the office, right? That eventually came back, you know, they auditioned for Pam or Jim or whatever, and then didn't get it. And then eventually came back for other roles. Did you audition? in season two or, or were you asked to do it because of that meeting?
3: No, I, I definitely auditioned and they were um, complete like bogus sides. I had no idea what character I was going to be even interacting with or anything, even until I got on set that day, which is when you're talking about that before, like, I don't know where the bathroom is. Even on, on the show, I showed up the first day and had no idea like what, who I was even interacting with that day. Wow. Yeah. It was weird, but I knew like my story, you know, that's all I auditioned, you know, a couple times in person. Gosh, I remember those days. Right. <laughs> Miss it.
4: So much better. So much better. What what were some of the most difficult scenes or storylines that you had on that show?
3: I mean, definitely, you know, the the intimate scenes that I had with my boyfriend on the show, Bryce, his character. Those were pretty intense, and that was kind of the first time that I had ever gotten to play something that deep on camera or like kind of be that vulnerable on camera. So it really did push me. That was kind of difficult to film. But I will say that the director and um, Justin Prentice, who who plays the character, it was just so calming. I mean, it really didn't feel like it felt very safe and everyone was there to make something great. And it just felt very homey, I guess. As much as it could in those uncomfortable moments. And the abort, I guess my, yeah, my abortion scene, that was like one of my favorite things to film, which is kind of, I know it sounds bad, but like anything that I haven't really done or have to kind of put myself in a different mindset and let go in a way is fun to me. That's why I said the intensity and like, you know, but that abortion scene was very intense. And that to me was really challenging and fun to do as an actress. Right. And kind of sad, you know. I'm glad, I'm I'm happy how it turned out.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Are you proud of that show?
3: Yeah. I think it really was the first show to pave a way for this kind of new teen drama um, that we were seeing, like Euphoria. And I mean, not saying that, you know, we are the reasons why Euphoria was is Euphoria. But I think we were kind of one of the first shows on TV to show something dark that was very controversial. And since then, it's you know, it's made up, it's made a way.
4: I agree. I mean, there's always been quote unquote teen drama, but I thought that the complexity and depth with which 13 reasons why, uh, how it dealt with real issues. I mean, you mentioned euphoria. I think that's spot on. It sort of said, okay, we're okay. We can go this deep and actually potentially change people and give, you know, the young people who are watching the show like, oh, okay, that's actually really like the experiences that I have. Oh, that's really some of the challenges that we're going through. I, I give that show a tremendous amount of credit for that.
3: Yeah. I think it did. It did start a lot of conversations and made people more open to talk with their parents or friends about different things that they thought they were alone in, you know?
4: Yeah, I think so. I mean, bringing up conversations, you said, I mean, to me, what great art does is about asking questions right? It's not about preaching or telling people what you should do or what you shouldn't do, which I think quite frankly, let's be honest, most drama does that, right? Like the after school special is the obvious example of that, but like really bringing up difficult topics that tortured people are dealing with and to give a voice to that and to ask those questions, I think is, is really valuable and important.
3: I did too. I also, but I also still think that the comedy and the lightness of things is still very important. And that's actually with the Orville, I think it kind of does both. It has like those questions that you can kind of talk about in a way that you don't really like, you know, you have these aliens or different kind of species and different worlds and galaxies, but it still brings up important questions based on your takeaway from it. But it also is very uplifting and light. And there's a lot of funny moments as well. We all love comedy too, you know. I mean, I don't want every, if every show is, you know, dark, it's sad. We need yeah. The Office. We need we need uh, the laughs. Oh, all right, too.
4: I'm with you there.
5: If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen nicotine pouches, you can find many.
4: Let's talk about the Orville, Seth McFarlane's gigantic production, season three. It's coming right now. Move to Hulu. You've joined the cast in season three. Now, I don't want any spoilers for myself or anybody listening, but tell me a little bit about Charlie Burke and how she she fits into the show or is introduced in the show in this new season.
3: Right. So... um, you know, in the previous season, they had that big blow up with the k and basically Charlie's coming on to the Oroville as a new navigator that was the one person who survived one of their other ships and got away and she lost her, you know, best friend and she has a vengeance for, she basically hates the Kalon, and since Isaac is on our ship, we have a lot of interaction, but um, I'm a badass navigator when it really comes down to it and simple... In simple terms. That's what
4: we're looking for. Badass navigator.
3: Badass navigator.
4: That's the sound clip right there. Somebody mark that one.
3: <laughs> to put it simply, that is me. Yes. And uh, me and Gordon sitting at the front, uh, we had a blast filming together. He's hilarious. I also have a gift in this world to um, see things four dimensionally or multi dimensionally. And I still, after even all the YouTube videos that I've watched, to just kind of grasp it doesn't really make sense. But basically, I can see what's coming 10 steps this way if we do this or 10 steps this way if we do this. So I'm the one that is always in the front that leads, you know, because I'm smart.
4: This is this is where we don't have similarities. I'm pretty sure I see things two-dimensionally, actually. <laughs> I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure. I wasn't even given the third uh, dimension. So oh. this is interesting. <laughs> did you watch the Orville before? Like, were you a fan of it or were you aware of it
3: or? Absolutely not. Not. No, No. I, when I, no, no, I did not. i then when I got called into an audition and then, um, a meeting, I binge watched it all in like two days, of course. Okay. Research. I'm very big into research, but no, I didn't, I didn't really watch the show before. And after watching it, I was like, this is hilarious. And it's like now my parents' favorite show. Like they rewatched the first three seasons multiple times they love it so yeah I'm glad I got introduced to it
4: my good good old friend Jess Zor speaking of Gossip Girl before do you have a lot of a lot of makeup Are you in the chair for 72 hours a day or whatever?
3: no thank God I just I feel for the people that have to sit in that makeup chair so long for makeup I mean it looks incredible. But I am so grateful, no. I was maybe in the makeup and hair chair for like an hour total. Right. Natural, just hair in a ponytail, easy, same. I mean, it was the same look the whole time, you know. We're in uniform, no changes to anything. It was very... Simple for me, at least.
4: <laughs> right now, was that difficult for you? I mean, I know you have done it now a couple of times, joining sort of midway through. How how was your relationship with Seth and and the gang uh, as you started filming?
3: Yeah, this is a good example of that. I was definitely kind of nervous because they had been together for a long time and they were very close. But I don't know. I just kind of really focused on my character, who was had kind of a chip on her shoulder anyway for the first couple weeks, and then. Um, so before we went on set, no, Seth had a dinner with the whole cast and I got to meet everyone and got to know everyone really well. So by the time we got to set, it was I felt like we had already kind of hung out a
4: couple times. Oh, okay, that's cool.
3: But I to be honest, I am one of those actors who likes to be behind the cameras. So I'll usually be in the room where, you know, the director is watching and everything and kind of be silent and watch what's happening and hear the direction and see where it's going because I want to do that eventually.
4: So when you're not, when you're not on screen, you prefer to not just go to your trailer, but watch. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Why do you think that helps you? Or how do you think it helps you?
3: Well, first of all, it's for an actor, you, you get to see kind of what they were trying to say, especially when you're working with a certain director, whatever, when you see them say something to an actor and what they actually are wanting to get them to do. It just brings more clarity. I don't know. And also you just learn about the cameras. You learn about, Really how long a lighting setup is going to take from behind, the, from behind the scene when they're saying it's going to be two minutes. The different shots and stuff. I don't know. It's just more interesting. It's more interesting than sitting behind camera and reading a book to me. Right. So I try to take advantage of the opportunity of like being able to be behind the camera and see.
4: Well, it's truly you know, I get asked all the time, either by young actors or students or, or whatever, like, you know, what should we do? How can we learn? And in this brief conversation with you, you have said two of the things that I always say, which is one in terms of the Orville and you were going to have a meeting one, watch television, watch as much television as you can. If you have an opportunity The only way you're going to truly succeed is if you understand what the aesthetic of that show is, how the actors behave on that show, how big it is, how small it is. I think that's vitally important and not just for a particular show, but as you have opportunities to go out for a multitude of shows Having that wide base of experience is so important. And the second thing is, is that, yeah, what you're saying, it makes so much sense. Every director and in television, right? For those of you who don't know, you almost have a new director every week, or you often have a new director every week who has their own vocabulary and way of speaking and way that they're trying to get the actors. And so watching that when you're not on screen and understanding what his or her particular culture is to create this episode, this story within this world, even if you understand the world, is really, really important. So good for you.
3: Yes. Yes. Great. That's exactly exactly right. Although on the Orvo, they switched off only between Seth and John Cassar; They would take turns directing. So that was nice. But it is challenging when it changes every single week. Yeah. I remember that being challenging on Grand Hotel on on ABC. They changed every every single week. That was hard.
4: <laughs> yeah. Well, the office was I mean, we had we had directors that would come back, but rarely was there any uniformity or regularity. So, but even with two different directors, I'm sure their vocabulary was slightly different and you being introduced to the show watching, I just think that is is so important.
3: I mean, I'm also, I'm also wanting to produce too. I just optioned a book and I'm going to be producing and acting in that. So I figured that, you know, before getting really started in that too, just the more knowledge you have, the more experience, like you said, is the best class you can put yourself in.
4: The unraveling of Cassidy Holmes, you're referring to. Yes. You optioned the book. Why this book? What, what was it about this book that got you so excited and interested?
3: Well, during quarantine, I read a lot and I was kind of searching for, for something that I wanted to do in acting because I actually, like my first couple weeks working on the Oroville, Seth and Fuzzy Door were really impressed <laughs> by me and they had me come into their office and said, you know, down the line, Orville or not, you know, we would love to work with you. So if you ever find anything bring it to us kind of thing. So I was like, oh, okay. So that pushed me a little bit to be aware of different things. Anyway, I was reading this book and it kind of just reminded me of that perfect in between, like we were talking about, of the drama, the real questions and topics and a little bit dark, but also the fun and it's funny. And the genre is in the 90s, which is my favorite era. Now we're seeing it all over. I mean, this era is popping up all over with new shows it just really hit me as like, you know, I I would love to be in this. This is something I would watch and it's something I would love to act in. And it's like a dream role. Like if I got this script, I would be like, oh my gosh, I hope to God I get this. So to be able to create that on my own is very, you know, fortunate.
4: That's awesome where are you at right now in the process
3: so we have a showrunner her name is karen and she was actually in the girl band uh, that did u g l y you ain't gonna ever you ugly you
4: remember that song oh yeah i mean you can't <laughs> you can't remember <laughs> I, that song oh,
3: well i'm not gonna discuss my age because yeah. i'm over 18 and i'm gonna keep it that way yeah. forever
4: me too by um, the way i'm over 18
3: yeah just that's all you need. That is all you need to say.
4: Yep. We're all basically the same.
3: But she's our showrunner, which I'm really excited about because it's kind of in that era and she's dealt with a lot of the things that we talk about in the book. Uh, we have a pitch. We've, we have everything ready. We're waiting on a couple, you know. It's the first time that I'm not in control of like the other parts of that go into play with this. So it's like you do all this stuff, you get everything ready, and then you have to kind of wait on a couple other people to do other things, and then you're going to get really busy. Right. So I'm in a little waiting, waiting phase right now. We'll
4: talk a little bit about that because I think that's interesting to people. So what, what are the things that happen?
3: I mean, I was really shocked at getting a showrunner was my biggest learning lesson because I mm. optioned the book, and then it was um, I had to read a bunch of spec scripts, which I didn't know is basically writers auditions. It was so interesting to see how that process was. You're reading a ton of different scripts that have nothing to do with your vision of what your book is about, but you have to kind of judge a writer based off of just their story and in just general. Right. That was pretty tough. I was reading like, I don't know, five, six scripts a day and like taking notes. And I'm like, this has nothing to do with what I'm seeing in for my show. So how am I supposed to judge this, you know?
4: Right. Well, I am... I'm so excited for you that you found something that you're interested in and that you're going through this new creative process.
3: With Fuzzy Door, by the way, who's doing Orville, which I'm excited about.
4: Oh, Fuzzy Door is a part of it. Yes. Yes. Oh, so this wasn't, so Seth, this wasn't an empty promise when he said, "No, bring me something. You brought him something and you're doing it with them. Well, good for you. That's awesome. Congratulations on that.
3: Thank you. Yes,
4: To take ownership of material and to be able to guide something, that's awesome. I'm so excited for you for season three of The Orville. I know you guys worked so hard on that show. And to finally have it come out for other people to be able to see, that's... uh... Check it out on Hulu, The Orville season three. It has been such a pleasure getting to know you a little bit thank you my dallas texas compadre and uh
3: yes love that
4: listen if this doesn't work out okay i mean the orville is gonna be huge if it's a terrible and then your book doesn't ha- then go back to smu
3: yeah i'm not banking on that one <laughs> no. <laughs> no will not happen will not happen
4: Congratulations on all of your success. I'm so happy for you. And uh, I can't wait to watch the Orville.
3: Yes, June 2nd. I'm excited.
4: That's awesome. Thanks so much.
3: Awesome. Thank you for having me.
4: I don't know, Annie. Don't count out SMU too fast. It's a magical place. Some of my best times. But no, I don't think that's going to be happening. You are thriving on the Orville. Obviously, it is going to be huge. Thank you so much for joining me today. And listeners, thank you so much for joining me. Make sure to follow us on the Insta. I think that's what people call it. And uh, like, subscribe, you know the drill. I'm going to catch you next week for another episode. A very special episode. Of Off the Beat. We'll see you then. Off the Beat is hosted and executive produced by me, Brian Baumgartner, alongside our executive producer, Ling Lee. Our producers are Diego Tapia, Liz Hayes, Emily Carr, and Hannah Harris. Our talent producer is Ryan Papa Zachary. Our theme song. Bubble and Squeak, performed by my great friend Creed Bratton, and the episode was mixed by Seth Olansky.